as you know by that video, today we begin a new message series called Invite. It's about the invitation. I'll say more about that in a little bit, but it's a three-week series leading into the Easter season, uh, the Lenten season as well. Uh, also remind you what Pastor Caesar mentioned a while ago, that we have a team, a mission team heading to Rwanda on Tuesday. They'll be there about eight or nine days, uh, and they're representing us in our Zoe ministry, orphan ministry we have there, about a thousand orphans we've adopted. Excited about that. Pastor David will be going. Uh, Teresa our, our, Sherwood, our mission director, will be leading that as well. Uh, and they'll be coming back, actually having a team go with them, coming back with a lot of videos that we're going to connect with the uh, Lenten Easter series, talking about reconciliation, redemption, restoration, deliverance, all the things God does in and through the church and our lives and our world and our church family. So look forward to that and pray for them as well about safety and making a difference and returning home to bring that message back to us and we might continue to share that with the world we live in. Also, as, as many know, I ran a marathon last week, but I'm going to tell you this, how slow I was. That I kept going back and forth with the guy running near me who was juggling footballs as he ran, uh, three of them. Uh, and they uh, said they, they, he had a, a Tom Brady shirt, jersey, and had a sign saying deflate gate for those that keep track of that kind of thing related to the Super Bowl. That's the only thing I'll say about the Super Bowl today, but that was happening as well. Invite. You heard the Bible verses read, but hear this. The very nature of the gospel, the word gospel means good news of Jesus Christ, is the invitation. The very nature of a Christ-centered church is around invitation. The very nature of Jesus himself on this earth is around the invitation. We see that in his life. Jesus had already, in this story you heard read, Jesus had already fought the devil. He'd faced three temptations, overcame them, and he left that time. He'd already uh, found his way to be proclaimed uh, the Lamb of God, there at his baptism, He'd already announced who he was in a synagogue, reading the book of Isaiah, saying, the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the lame will leap, the poor will have the good news preached to them. He'd already done all of that, and now as God on the earth, that's who he was, God come to the earth, the first really introduction he has of himself is around inviting others to follow, and that's where it begins. And throughout the life of Christ on earth, he was invitational. He invited others to follow. Whoever would, whoever wanted to, whoever was willing, they were invited. No matter who they were, they were invited to follow him. And so here we know the story. Come follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. Now I want to pull out a chair right here that I had set back here uh, to kind of illustrate what I'm talking about today. Set this up here for you to see clearly. And as you note this chair, I want you to note that there is a relatively serious problem with this chair. Uh, it's kind of a broken chair. It's really just in the way chair. Why? There's nobody sitting in it. Chairs are about somebody sitting in them. There's other chairs around you too, and pews as well where no one's sitting. There's empty space here. There is almost every Sunday but Easter, sometimes Christmas. Uh, there's, there's room there for other people. But I want you to think about the problem of an empty chair to relate to the gospel of Jesus Christ and a Christ-centered church. Someone needs to be here. Someone who just found out they have cancer. They have a mysterious journey ahead they don't understand yet. 
So the research on the internet is still happening, and they're going to find out about tests and doctors and procedures and hospitals. They have no idea what the future looks for them, and they're probably afraid. They need to be in this chair where someone can tell them something about Jesus, the good news and hope and grace and love, all that God offers those who receive that from them. Someone's like that out there. Then They're not here right now, though, so the chair is empty. It's not, not, not meeting what it's supposed to be doing around the good news. There's someone who is going through a divorce. Maybe the spouse surprised them and said, I'm leaving. And they're left alone wondering, what am I going to do with my life now? Life's been defined around this marriage, and I don't know what I'm going to be, who I'm going to be, how I'm going to live. And they're dealing with a great heaviness around that one. You need to be in this chair. There are people who live their life with depression, where depression is a, like a heavy blanket over them. They feel it all the time. They, they have no sense of, of life or joy because depression overwhelms them all the time, day in and out, day in and day out, sometimes for years. Need to be in this chair. There's somebody dealing with grief out there. They lost their father or their mother or their brother or their sister or their spouse or a child. And their life now looks hopeless as they look into the future of that, that life. And need to be in this chair where we talk about life and hope and resurrection and above all, Jesus Christ. Have an answer. You know, if someone lost their job, but they're afraid they're going to lose their job, they're having financial issues, and it may not seem like a big deal to us, but it is to them. And they're in a situation now, they don't know what they're going to do. And their life has been so well-ordered, now it's blown up. There's a place for them in a chair, and the chairs are empty. They're empty right there, and they're empty over there and over there. There's a few back there empty, one or two over there, a bunch back in these corners, there always is. Somebody needs to be there. Think about the empty chair. Think about the invitation and the core message of the church, church that Jesus saves. A Christ-centered church must be built around the invitation because Jesus was. The Bible teaches it, what and who we are called to be around the invitation that we talk about. There's a great song that Andre Crouch wrote back in the 70s. Andre Crouch passed away about a week or so ago. One of the early contemporary musicians, uh, many of you may recognize him, but one of the songs that he, that he wrote was, Jesus is the answer for all the world today. Above him there is no other. Jesus is the way. As a young Christian, I, I sung, sung that song. It meant a lot to me what it said because I believed it was true. Jesus is the answer for all the world today. Above there is no other. Jesus is the way. Think about what that really means. I think our church and most churches do a lot of things very, very well. I think we have great worship. Our choir this morning, our orchestra, beautiful songs of faith and praise. We sang them together. Our voices lifted high. I love singing at this service. You all sing so well with, with us up here. And so we do that really well, I think. Uh, Wednesday, Wednesday a week or so ago, we had over 100 young people in our youth service on, on, in, in the weekday night crowding our, all, our area there over there in the loft uh, with all sponsors, other people together doing that. What a great program that is. And if G-Force happening right now, a bunch of kids over there singing and praising and being led in worship, that goes real well, as, real well also. We have an amazing mission program. You know that. Uh, we talk about the Rwanda trip happening next week. We had folks, folks from Russia here last night in our Saturday service talking about a Russian orphan endeavor we connect with as well. Habitat was there announced on our video to begin with, and I could go on and on and on with that. What our church's mission, we do that so well. We are up here when it comes to mission, right at the top. 
youth worship and children's ministries. And worship itself in eight different ways is amazing, but we're not good about the invitation. We're not good about that. Most churches are not, and most Christians are not. We do we, most often we do that the least well, inviting others to faith in Christ or even inviting them to church. If I asked most Christians, many Christians, have you invited someone to church in the last year, just one person, most would say, no, I haven't. I just never got to that. I thought about it, just didn't do it. I was afraid or whatever reason, no. If I asked most Christians, how many have shared Christ, your faith in Christ with someone else, most Christians would say, I never have in my entire life. I've never done that. We're not good at this. So before Easter, we have set aside three weeks to talk about the invitation, the invite, how we might get better at that and what it means around initially the idea today, follow me, that Jesus was about invitational living. He invited others to be Christ-centered. I must be an invitational person. And the good news itself, the gospel, is around an invitation. So it's pretty clear we can't miss what we really mean today. I'm going to look at a verse now in Timothy that says these words, and I picked this out of a particular translation. I like the translation of how it says it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I'm the biggest sinner of all. Two things. The first is, that's why Christ came. If that's why Christ came, then that idea, that truth, that command must be the center of a church that is Christ-centered. And I'm the biggest sinner of all. We want a bunch of sinners sitting in these empty spaces with all the other sinners that, are, sinners that are filling the spaces that are here. That's who we are. God's grace. Magnificent grace. The love of God. The salvation of God available. So much of our life goes like this. We try to make life work. We try to make all the institutions, organizations, and systems we live in work the best for us that they can. All the time we do that. And if we can't make it work, we try to survive it. Most days are directed just by that. Or we try to make our relationships work the best way we can for us. However many we have, however few we have, or we try to survive those relationships. That's often how life is lived by many people, even church people sometimes. And yet we have this truth where we have God who's around this very biblical truth, I'm going to use a word, transcendence, called divine transcendence, and that's two words, divine transcendence. Transcendence means that God has come and intervened in the world, in our hearts, in our lives, and in the church. That's what happened when Peter was fishing that day with his, his loved ones. God intervened and transcended. God came from heaven, put sandals on, walked on that seashore, it's all rocky seashore there, and saw Peter and said, I want you right there to follow me. And nothing was ever the same. That's divine transcendence. The church believes in that, that in our crazy world of trying to make it work or survive it, either relationships or the systems of the world we live in, the culture we live in, that God has intervened and come to us and says, I have an answer for you. I have come to you 
to love you, to give you grace, to save you, to bless you, to change your life and heart, whether you're experiencing depression or you lost your job or going through a divorce, whatever it might be, are simply lost from me. I have an answer for you. And the good news is the Lord Jesus Christ. Healing, teaching, changing, saving. Divine transcendence. Why the church is what it is and what a Christ-centered church looks like. The verse I want to look at is also in Timothy. This is right, and it pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So if you wonder what the will of God is, here it says it is, what it is. As we've already said, what is God doing? He came to the, he's saving sinners. That's what God is doing. What's the will of God? He wants all people to be saved. The will of God, the purpose of God, the intent of God. How divine transcendence is lived out in those who trust him and believe in him have experienced that own, that their own change of heart or change of life or help in our time of crisis. God doing all that. The third verse I want to look at today, when you may know, and it, it, it's uh, in John 13, 35. This is, how, this is how everyone will know that you are my disciples, that you love each other. That's going to lead into the next point, but I want you to hear that verse as well, that Jesus speaks of that being a, a core uh, value for Christians who want to live an invitation life, the love we have for one another. Now three things that are the key uh, part of the message today. First is this, the decision to follow Jesus Christ must include a commitment to invitational living. I want you to think about invitational living, what, you, what that might mean, what you imagine that might mean. Must be committed to invitational living. When I was a young Christian living in Key West, uh, one of the things that, that I did was with some friends of mine, and the pastor actually led this, uh, they got a flatbed truck, put some instruments on the back, and we drove down to Mallory Square in Key West, Florida. Mallory Square was where you see the sunset there, the southernmost part of the nation. How many have been to Mallory Square? A lot of you have been. It's changed since 1974 when I was there. Uh, now it is a big party, and they're out there doing magic tricks, and they're raising funds, and they're buying and selling stuff, and there are tourists everywhere. Not then. Then it, there was no lighting out there. We brought the lighting with us, and it was where hippies, or used to be hippies, went. It was kind of the end of the hippie season, but there were some who didn't know that. And they were down there in the mid-70s on Mallory Square every night. You could smell the aroma floating through the air. <laughs> How many don't know what I'm talking about? Anybody here? <laughs> Please have someone not know what I'm talking about. Uh, but anyway, that was happening. And we went there, and uh, our folks sang and played guitars, really old, old, old country western gospel music that those folks did not connect with, I promise you. And it came my turn to give my testimony, and I told my story of how Christ had entered my heart. I'm not sure we did a whole lot of good there that night. I'm not sure that worked. Remember the invitational living word. I'm not sure that worked in bringing anybody to Christ. We tried. In that same city uh, that year, uh, there was a movie that was showing at the local movie theater, and it was called The Exorcist, which, if you don't know, uh, at that time was the scariest movie ever made. It was about devil possession, demon possession. I thank Greenpeace for those that have seen that. Uh, and uh, we went out there, some friends of mine, who stood outside the movie theater late at night. When it let out, we were there to greet them. And we were there to tell them that Jesus loved them uh, because we knew they would be ready for that and ripe. They were ripe. 
They were right. They were scared of the devil. Now it's time to tell them about Jesus. I think we'd have scared them some more. In fact, I know we scared them some more. It did not work. In college, I went to a class. There was a church I was attending. My wife and I both run, and I both went to that class. And it was how to tell people about Jesus, how to lead them to Christ. And we learned how to do that. He gets a little book that we could show people, one, two, three, four, five, six, you know, had the numbers on it. And they told us things like, now go to the house. We're going to go door to door, by the way. Went door to door. I was more scared than they were, but we did that anyway. Knock on the door, and, and you're told to go in the door if they let you in, which one or two did, most didn't. And then you get in the house. That's a really nice painting you have there, lying sometime, but they want us to say that to bring, make them feel comfortable. You know, yeah, what a pretty house you have here. Pet their dog. You know, if they have a little dog, you know, don't kick the dog, pet the dog. You do all that. And then you try to talk to them about Jesus, you know. And, and I will say that was wholly unsuccessful. You know, that did not work. I learned something, but I'm not sure anybody else did. It didn't work, but we're talking about invitational living. Jesus said, put your light on a lampstand for everybody to see. You know, what kind of life is your storytelling? What kind of story is your life telling? What kind of story is your life? Is, is it bright? Is it lit up? Is it loving and good and graceful? And is there a core about Jesus in that story you're telling the people around you? Invitational living is where it must start. Loving, holy living among the people we live among. That includes family and workplace and everywhere. And you know what I'm telling you. Well, the second point here is this. It's a myth. And I believe this. It's a myth that most people don't want to connect to the faith side of the people they trust. Emphasize people they trust, those who live invitationally. They want that. They want that. Now, if you're like me, you were taught uh, years ago, uh, maybe recently, that never talk about religion or politics, it'll create a fight. And so we believe that. Sometimes we believe, oh, that must be true. I better shut up about it. Better be private and quiet. Never mention at all that I'm a Christian or I go to church or I believe in God. You know, I think that's foolishness. It's a myth that people don't want to know that. If you have kids whether they're young or old, your kids want to know that you have survived in your life because of your faith. They want to know there was that season when it was so difficult that at night you went to your room and you said, Jesus, help me get through this. You said, Lord, deliver me from this. Lord, help me. Lord, they want to know that from you. Because they may wonder. They want to know that. Your people around you want to know that you survive your job because every day before I go, I say, Lord, help me do this job because I hate the job and I need your help, need the money, get me through another day. Lord, give me grace. Your lunch hour may be, instead of eating it, may be praying somehow. Lord, get me through this. You know, and I said, they want to know that, you know, you struggle with an addiction and somewhere in your addiction you said, God, deliver me because I can't do it myself. They want to know that. They want to know how faith has formed and shaped your survival skills your living skills, your thriving skills, your loving and, and teaching and being and existing and, and, they, and having peace and joy in your life. They want to know that about you. In fact, they need to know that about you and me. And often they have no idea because we keep it quiet, the secret. They think we have some mysterious ability to overcome in our own strength. And we know we don't. We know the real truth. We know what you say at night. Our days we're alone. God, help me one more time. They don't know it. That's invitational living. And that's a myth buster of what the truth really is. They want to know. 
It's a shame that kids sometimes never know their mother and father don't. Uh, they get through life through faith. They never know. Some years ago, I had someone ask me this question. They said, uh, would you call my father? He lives uh, four states away. And he was an older fellow at the time. I don't know if he's a Christian. I'm worried about it. Because I think he's, you know, getting elderly and he may one day die. And I'm worried about that. And I, and I did. I called him on the phone and said, well, my, my, your family here wants me to call you and talk to you about this. And I'm just calling for them. I'm a pastor. And, and he said, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I pray. And I, I've got this help in my life. And I've been a Christian for all these years, you know. And his, his, his children, who were well-grown my age, didn't know. <laughs> they didn't know. That's how their dad survived all the years growing up. What's his faith? It's a myth. Number three, number three, decide, are the people in your life better off with or without Christ? Make a decision about that. Don't let that float. Don't let that kind of wander around somewhere in your life. Decide that today. Are they better off with or better off without Christ? Our culture says each to his own or her own. That's what our culture says. Whatever they choose is fine. Well, that's the way they're going to go. They roll that way, whatever. And we don't want to, met, we don't want to, we don't want to uh, butt in or we don't want to mess around with that or, or, or we, don't want to, we want to mind our own business. So we ignore that part of life. And, and so we just don't tell anyone. We, we, we ignore that. We have made that decision. And yet it's so easy for us to tell someone that we care about, a friend, a neighbor, even an acquaintance. We went to this new restaurant and it's so good. You should try the tacos there. We don't mind that at all. We just barge right in with that. We interrupt the conversation. They already have a pattern of what they're where they eat. They never eat there before, but we don't mind letting them know. Give it a shot. You may like their tacos. We'll tell them in a second. Don't bother us a bit. Don't bother them either, usually. <laughs> we don't mind going to a movie and saying, well, that was a really good movie. I want to tell people around, you need to go see that movie. You'll like that movie. I know you. You'll like that movie. You'll enjoy it. Make sure you pay attention to the last part where it really gets good. We don't mind telling them that. We don't mind telling them about our doctors, our attorneys, our financial advisors, uh, our real estate. We don't mind telling our real estate agents, our plumbers. We don't mind. We want to help people. We want their life to go smoother and easier. We want it to work really well. We want them to find the right person that will sell them life insurance, that, that really take care of them. Uh, the one who's going to be there to help them, guide them in finances at the end of the end, toward the end of retirement. Or we want that for them. Why would we not for the people we care about? Of course we do. Decide. Are the people in your life better off with or without Jesus Christ? You know, I think that the church is not just about being the friendliest church. We try to be friendly. I think we are. We want to be the friendliest church. I'm, it's not just about the best programs, and we have some great programs here. I know we do. We work really hard on having good, effective programs. It's not just about uh, even the best pastors, and I think we have the best pastors, Pastor Caesar and Sharon and, 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 and Tina and, and Johnny and Pastor David. Maybe I'm on that list somewhere. You know, I think that's true. Instead, it's about the fact of being a Christ-centered church. A Christ-centered church is around the gospel or good news. Good news is around Jesus Christ. And the good news inherent in the whole idea is that it's invitational. We invite others to receive the Christ that we care about. The love has changed our lives. 
uh, the hope and peace that gets us through those dark times in our own experience. The one who guides our own future today. The one that somehow got us to church this morning uh, on this first Sunday of February in 2015. So make that decision. Today we begin this three-part message series around uh, that focus, but we're going to move more clearly into the how-tos of this. We find the comfort level to being able to share our faith in a more real, uh, simple, make-a-difference way. It's not as hard as it looks. It's a matter of making the decision that that's going to be the center of our life and the center of the church. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, thank you for what you've given us today, inviting us to Christ and our response, God, to that invitation. Whether coming to Christ long ago or just coming to church this morning, we thank you, God, for what you've given us and our ability to celebrate it now. Now help us, Lord, to know better how we might share that good news with the world we live in. Good news to, to invite them to church, to invite them to Christ, invite them to the hope that really is hope for our life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.